And welcome to episode 400 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my developmental co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's in, that's incredibly correct, Kurt. Um, <laughs> it's very true. Um, we are coming at you with this episode 400, and we're proud to bring you the Nickelschlager edition of the cast. It's actually more popular than Goldschlager. You can find it at any bar in America but they won't tell you. It's on their secret menu. You have to go and you have to ask for well vodka, and they'll give you that signature nickel and vodka taste. <laughs> Took a long road to get there, but that was actually a pretty decent payoff. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to cheap out and just say there's a bunch of nickels in my... In my well drink, equal well parts. Vodka. How do you think they get? How do you think they get? There's, that way? there's, there's a lot of layers to that joke that are kind of more like inside the friend circle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if everyone else at home would appre- is going to appreciate that one. Sometimes you make a joke that's just for you. Um, oh God, you. <laughs> the movies I make are just for me. <laughs> do you? So y'all remember the Taco Bell spin to win, uh, falling, uh, change. Uh, catch oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if that was just vodka? <laughs> and then if you catch the catch the coin, you get the pour, you get a free shot out mm. of the bottom. Like there's a spout at the bottom to pour it out. <laughs> I can get around that. It just sounds awful. Oh, back in the days when a crunch wrap was measured in cents, or a you know a taco could be measured in you cents. Should, you should write a letter to yeah, Alex's oh bar back in Alfred and see if they'll uh, invest into one of those, and maybe they can get some of the engineers over there to jerry rig some contraption. Some. Oh my! I'm gonna find. Let me. Just, I'm gonna find it right here. Some um, Rube Rube Goldberg shit in a uh, spinning um, spinning machine, or uh, get a pachinko machine that'll. Give you a free shot. It's Taco Bell spin to win tank. Can I find it? Nope. I'll have to. I would have to actually search, and I don't want to yeah. do that. We don't need to search. We don't need to search because, as always, we're coming at you live from our innermost sanctum, our minds. We're gonna take a dive. We're sitting inside ourselves. We're doing a little bit of a retrospective. We're pulling up a seat. This is a weird guided meditation. We're, we're going we're on right a seat. Now. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to pull up a seat in our minds. And we're going to talk to that little child inside of all of us. And there's a little boy inside of all of us today. Um, and we're going to have a chat. We're going to see what's up. We're going to see what uh, what made us. And, um, you know. You'll get to, to learn all as about As a wise it. man once said, I like to see homos naked. And, uh. That's a, a that's a quote from a movie, so you can't okay. take that out of context. Legally, you can't. I was gonna ask. I for feel context, like, I feel but... like you yourself have taken it out of context, yeah. and that is the entire basis on which your joke is constructed. And your mic stand's about to break from from the lack of context. Jesus, God, I hope not. It's lunging at me every time I try to move it. Every time I try to adjust it slightly, I feel like it's it's coming at me. I just want to make sure I got good, crisp, clear audio. 
Well, for nine ninety nine, I can tell you how to keep that from happening. Just subscribe to my twelve step plan. I'll teach you to. <laughs> Actually, for nineteen ninety nine, you can subscribe to my three step plan that'll get you completely debt free in in surprising legal ways. <laughs> subscribe to my three step plan that'll get you debt free in four easy steps. And the final step is not, definitely not, be rich. Because that, no, don't, the first of them no, are that's like. the first step. The first step is always clean your room. <laughs> the first step is go watch trailers. <laughs> yeah, second step is clean your room. First step, yeah. watch, sit down, watch some trailers with us. Kick back, sure. grab some popcorn, some Cracker Jacks, maybe an apple fritter or two. And and cozy on up to some hot, steamy new trailers that we have for you. Where are we that we're getting these I want these snacks? Like, oh, if they sold if they sold corn fritters at the movie theater, <laughs> that would be a terrible idea. I'd, I'd be going for it. Of course you would, but that would be terrible for all the people who have to clean the fucking <laughs> the fair movie food theater dough off of. The- <laughs> You're just fucking the poor son of a bitch who has to haul the garbage out at the end of the fucking shit is going to fucking throw up from the <laughs> smell of half-eaten corn fritters. Oh, up. <laughs> I, I, I'm just imagining, like, the fairground bucket of cookies that they sell. Oh, God, the cookies someone that they... sitting two rows up from you just, just going to town on a bucket of cookies. Are you talking about the cookies that they, like, scoop and they just... They they scoop and they funnel into a bucket. Yes. By far, which might I add, by far the best way to buy and serve cookies is in a bucket with a hand. Like absolutely ones with a handle. The but I like to the wash it down with the a ultimate cake shake, where they put a slice of cake into a milkshake. The bucket really does enhance the the presentation. Like the the chicken bucket is is. Always a classic. You got the bucket of cookies. Yeah. Like I, yep. your Easter basket is essentially a yeah, bucket of candy. It's a bucket of candy. It's a woven bucket. And I think I think the best feeling in the world um, is when you get a, a fresh bucket of chicken from KFC, and you got to pull off that lid, psh, like a flavor seal. You're like you're pulling off your girl's pantaloons. Psh, it's almost like cracking open a fresh can of Coca-Cola. It's kind of it's kind of how it is, right? I, I guess. Right, agree with me, right? Jake just... I can't be the only one, right? Please. I don't know that I feel as strongly about it as you do, but yes, just, it's satisfying I, to kind I of pop the top Jake off. Just pulling the lid off. Just just popping it off and taking a whiff of that hot cock coming out of the bucket. <laughs> and he says, oh, this is just oh. like me and my wife. Kristen, this is just like when I... This is like the first night, Just right? like me, Ma used to make. Just like... Does this remind you of anything? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> the Colonel's 27 secret spices. Did you... I'd be frightened to find out if the answer was yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tune in for the rest of the show, and the uh, answer may be revealed later, and it may 
surprise you. <laughs> Keep those decoder wheels handy. Uh, We're going to have to restamp Trey Watch because we <laughs> <laughs> spent another minute not talking about trailers. <laughs> Trey Watch, seven minutes flat. Nice. Good job, guys. Eight minutes. Why haven't we started talking about I think this tra- is a trailer for Trey Watch. <laughs> Because there's nothing. Because there's three. I think there's yeah. a whole three maybe trailers to talk about. Four to sort of care about. Yeah, there's like two um, teasers um, and two like final featurette and one beekeeper. Yeah. Um, no, let's talk about let's talk about robot dreams. Um, yeah. I guess is this based on this is like based on a thing. <laughs> is this based on some sort of prior medium? Well, based on a it thing. Seems like it was. <laughs> sent to a bunch of film festivals and won some shit for it um it definitely looks like it was a like a internet comic or something like that 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 was turned into a show that got picked up yes um, you are exactly right it was a comic um from sarah varen sarah sarah varen Mary okay varen um yeah so that when did it? Uh, let's see. When did it start publication? I don't know. Hmm. Um, the wiki is it's not clear. Yeah, but it's so it's a dog in the eighties who gets a robot friend. In like a Zootopia yeah, world a robot too, friend. mind you. It's because a bunch of all the people are animals. So that's nice. Yeah. Um. It looks like it's gonna be pretty cute. <gasps> This is yeah. okay. All right. Okay. I I picked up on something. Guys, we have the Twin Towers. They're back, baby. Well, how else are you going to know it's set in the 80s? Other than the, the tab and the MTV. Was there a dog 9-11? Or whatever this world is called? Zootopia 9-11? If so... Put your answers in the comments below what you think the terrorist <laughs> animals were. I'm watching you. Fred, don't don't fucking say goat. <laughs> don't you dare say goat or camel. That's racist. I see you. I, like, Kurt, I don't even need to do anything. He just goes on his own. He's like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, he's he's on some... He just winds himself up and just weird. watch him just... Just take himself into the stratosphere. He's bringing a weird energy tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We started late on a Thursday. That's true. And Daddy doesn't have to work tomorrow. (laughs) Baby's upstairs. True. And doesn't and doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. And he's got the kid, and I've got an empty fireball. Yeah, it looks like it was selected to a fair few film festivals. Um, I don't know. It looks like it, it's going to be fine. Doesn't look like it's going to be too heavy. I don't. Is this even feature length? Um, I don't want to give see. you misinformation. So it, it yes, it is. It's an hour and forty two. It exists. It's out. It's been okay. reviewed on IMDb seven hundred and thirty times. Um. Wow. It's an hour and 42 minutes. Did any of those comments talk about the Twin Towers? Probably. Um, I will... Okay, there's only three written reviews, so this should take very little time to... uh, uh, No mention there. 
No mention there. No, the answer is no. Indy right, would have talked about it. Hold on. Searching. <laughs> Jake's just, he's just perused through clickbait. Yes, Jake, the buildings were there in the 80s. <laughs> and since this is animated, it's very easy to draw them back I'm in. I'm just curious to see if they were mentioned. Like. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Why, the why would they need to be mentioned? I really don't think in the story of a dog and his robot friend that the World Trade Center is going to come up naturally. Not even like the 99 bombing or some of that? What about Building 7? It was the the 80s. (laughs) It was the 80s. That is before 99, if you can can conceive of it. (laughs) At least, you know, nine years, ten years. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Jake is he's so upset, he's distraught by this. We need to we need to also, take we need to take another tack. I think the I don't know I think Oklahoma City maybe was ninety nine. What hap- what bad happened in the eighties can they reference to make it be like uh, a schnauzer caused the boss of bombing in nineteen eighty. Ew. It was 1993, the World Trade Center bombing, which is still many years after the 80s. Bah humbug. As it turns out. Um, oh, Peter, this is not what I had of, thought of when you were talking about the talk about colorful countertop coin drop game. Oh, were you thinking of something else? Just those like big circular mall, give a penny, donate oh, a donate the coin a vortex. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "How are you no. gonna make like a f- shot funnel with that?" My nah. Am I the we're hole? Talking, we're talking about the good shit. Catch a coin, <laughs> get a get a cinnamon twist for free. Um, make an indie movie, make a Frankenstein for free with yeah Frankenstein. I'm not sure how to feel about this movie. It seemed like wholesome enough until the murdering started. Yeah, it's it's one it's like a it's like a dark comedy kind of deal. Um, yeah, but in a in a world where uh, oh my god, does this join? Fuck. Is this joining up with Shaun of the Dead in the genre of zom rom com? Um, kind of. I mean, Warm Bodies also yeah. was that sort of thing. Um, I think there was another one called like My Boyfriend's Back that was also Is similar. There, there's got to be a movie like Till De- to like Do Us Part or Till Death or something I'm like that. Certain of that. Um, also, uh, the, the, the Corpse Bride, mm. that yep. sort of concept. Um, yeah, but in a in a world where poor things exist concurrently uh, with this. And is uh, you know a movie that's like garnering a lot of awards consideration. I I don't. Uh, this movie feels feels kind of low rent, even though like it's a fairly obviously not super novel concept because we've just listed a bunch of movies with similar premises. But the way it's like uh, approaching it is fairly unique. All right, sixteen-year-old high school dudes. This is the movie you take your goth girlfriend to. Yeah. 
Fact. This is the date. This is the mall date night movie. I'm calling it for you now, so you know ahead in advance. Yeah. Just don't leave them with any sharp objects. They may try to hurt you. <laughs> Get into the spirit of things. Yeah. Well, that's just general, generally good advice for anyone who's dating. Don't leave your girlfriend alone with any uh, sharp objects. <laughs> don't don't they leave are her danger alone to themselves and others. Personal rocket launcher system. Yes. You know, she could just be she could be out there any time of night just taking out drones. Remember to destroying lock, aircraft. Remember to lock your F twenty two fighter jets and uh keep it separate from the operating manual. And um, Yeah, just just don't 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 keep them gassed up. Keep the fuel locked up. Make sure you don't tell them standard operating procedure of the F twenty two Raptor and its hydraulic pressures and make sure to lock lock up the cockpit you know don't and of course everyone knows this but some folks still still need to remember absolutely do not store your ammonia and your A10 warthog uh rapid fire uh ship gun in the same location it's a bad combination change those codes on your nuclear football Every other day, restitch your nuclear football every three to six months, <laughs> and don't do the what is it called the um, the W or the V method, the password V method on your keyboard. Mm-hmm. It's it's too easy to catch. They'll get it. Could on April Fools? Could the guy? Could whoever is like handcuffed in the nuclear uh, football? Have like the fuzzy pink handcuffs instead, just to like change it up. I don't know that it's literally handcuffed to them twenty four seven. Aw, that's such a, I it's a great accessory. Do you think it's handcuffed to the fake arm that they have, so their hand is always on their gun? I like, I like the idea. It's like it. They have a prosthetic. You have two arm. hands, Jake. I don't know They're that like that would be necessary. Like a enlisted in the Secret Service, and they have a prosthetic arm, and <laughs> someone pickpockets the whole arm with the football attached. That's He's just like guys. That's just Rocket wait. Raccoon. <laughs> do you do you think where, that if if the White House were to not hire someone with a prosthetic arm, or perhaps two prosthetic arms uh, for the sake of argument to carry the nuclear football, they would be condemned as ableist, even though there's a very valid national security yeah, risk yeah. to employing someone with that disability. Well, to do they that also job. don't let that agent have rocket fists. Just saying like a ballistic knife, but it's your fist. Good point. They could be more secure. I think this is just the plot to Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I think we're just we're just sketching that out right now. It's not as dissimilar as I would like it to be. Speaking um, of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, the first Omen. Jesus. Omen. <laughs> okay, I was very interested to see how you were going to stick that. Yep. Uh, no I, 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 I saw it coming. Like I, I want to see him try this. Um, it was either that or Mean Girls. I mean, take your pick. See, that's his secret, is he didn't stick it. Uh, yeah. so. I don't um, stick anything. The first the first movie to be shown backwards since Memento. 
Um, or no, which tenant. One was, yeah, I don't know. Tenant. There's there's not memento backwards. <laughs> you know those those thingies. Um, this doesn't look particularly like scary. It's like dark aesthetic. Like ooh, it's it's the spooky vibe, but like it doesn't look like it's the trailer is not trying to make me feel scared. Yeah. Like, like oh, even yeah. Cool, sexy, dark magic. Even when it was trying to do something where it was like the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the lady in the, uh, hospital bed going crazy. I wasn't, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting the chill. So, I guess you could try to play this as a horror, but reading the synopsis, it makes it seem like this is like a, uh, conspiracy thriller type thing um so the synopsis is when a young american woman is sent to rome to begin a life of service with the church she encounters a darkness that causes her to question her own faith and uncovers a terrifying conspiracy that hopes to bring about the birth of evil incarnate yeah which could be like literally demons or the more interesting way of like there are Satan worshippers that have infiltrated the church or something like that. They're performing rituals on the side. Yeah. I just can't wait for them to make the Faith movie based on the hit video game. I want my shotgun priest. Uh, no. All right. That's Yeah, it's going to be a movie. It's It fits right into January. We're on. We're rolling right into a... A murky, crappy, gunky, stagnant, slow, mired, sticky, uh, foul, uh, and lemon-scented January. Did not not expect the lemon scent. Did you just activate somebody? (laughs) Yes. They're coming. (laughs) I needed a pizza delivered. Just slip that in. Dude, forget super soldiers and like secret agents. We need to like fill the, I don't know, economy, the world with just, sleeper super agents that like are activated to just like do our chores for us when we drop the. Like you the walk by the pizza, you walk by the Chinese takeout, and you just get like a coded message on the loudspeaker, and you just turn on, and you start, and you start picking up the delivery order that someone broadcasted from across the town. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, the coded uh, message is just big chilling. John Cena mode activated. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, is there, do we have to talk? Is there, I guess we could talk about mean girls, I guess. I don't know. We already talked about mean girls. Yeah, at then we're good. Trailers watched. <laughs> um, I guess it's the follow up, even though we're doing things a bit differently. We are taking it a being the first of the year, New Year, and all for yeah. show the New Year. We just I was thinking like we could we could go, but it's also again since their four hundredth episode, I figured might as well try something a little different. So we can we'll go through last week's real quick, but. I also wanted we also wanted to check out the last year. Who 
you know who really who did it who got it who was who was winners who was losers how was our movies did the movie you like one <laughs> what happened to the to all the money everyone spent this year <laughs> um so but first we're gonna run through this week um all right, and first we have Wonka reclaiming the number one spot after a 24.5% rise, uh, raking in $22.5 million over the holiday weekend, bringing its total worldwide to $391 million. Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom is down 34% to $18.2 million, uh, losing its number one spot, $261 million worldwide for Aquaman. Migration... Uh, is up 36.6% this week, uh, good enough for a $17 million weekend to stay in third place, up to 118 worldwide for migration. The Color Purple opens in fourth with $11.7 million. Uh, in fifth, Anyone But You slides down despite uh, increasing week-on-week week about 46% to $8.75 million, bringing its yep. international worldwide total to $38 million. Um, Boys in the Boat opens in sixth with $8.4 million in 2,500 theaters. The Iron Claw rolls out wa- wider um, yeah. and sees a increase of 3.6% to 5.04 movies. That's not going to be a movie for the faint of heart. Uh, I watched recently the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Von Eric family, and even that was rough. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that, like... Like like many wrestling stories of the wrestlers themselves, um, there's a lot of heartbreak and tragedy. Well, if you're not familiar with the Von Erics, um, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that's true. There's um, not a lot of big, uplifting wrestling biopics. Yet. Yeah. This this current generation, like the the nineties generation of wrestlers, uh, seems to have not grown up to be complete dickheads. So they've got a chance. Yeah, <laughs> haven't been broken yet. Um, although wrestling sure the, is, the, the Mick, it's just Mick one of those industries that's never untouched by uh, tragedy. Well, it's a carny business. <laughs> yep. Um, in eighth we have uh, Ferrari. Uh, not facing off against Ford this time, just Adam Driver pretending to be Italian. Uh, $3.9 million in 2,300 theaters. I just realized Adam Driver? Ferrari? They did that on purpose. It's like when, it's like when John Webb wrote Spider-Man. You, you just realized that? You know, not... Not when we made the same joke when we talked about the trailer for no. Ferrari. <laughs> I drove past it. I heard during a full moon he turns into a car. <laughs> I'm just picturing the Rick and Morty post credit where Morty turns into a car, but it's Adam Driver instead. Turn me into a Ute. Uh, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snacks down two spots. Uh, only down 4.8% week on week, despite losing nearly 30% of its theaters. 2.8 mil for that. Worldwide total up to 326 million. And rounding out the top 10, we have The Boy in the Huron down two spots. 2.38 million, uh, 14.6% drop. And being chewed out of theaters after raking in a $134 million 
box office run. Yeah. That's that's the last week of 2023. That's 52 weeks in the bag. Um, so that makes one whole year, if you weren't aware. Um, you didn't have that conversion worked out. We got you. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the domestic box office for 2024. Can I see... Do they not have the international box offices? Yeah, that's the weird what part. Are you they looking only... at twenty twenty four for? Didn't kind of only we, we, says we don't we only have oh twenty twenty four. I was cl- I, instead of clicking twenty twenty three. I'm like, why is Wonka in first? There's no way that's that's a possible. Um, no, but yeah, twenty twenty three. Um, box offices. Just looking at the top ten here. First off, um, it's. Barbie with domestic six hundred and thirty-six million. Um, then Super Mario Bros. movie. Then Spider-Man. Uh, then Guardians Volume Three. Then Oppenheimer at five. Little Mermaid at six. Avatar: Way of Water at seven. Are you looking uh, at domestic? Or are you looking at um? Yes. Oh, I see. Why aren't you looking at worldwide? Yeah, look at worldwide. worldwide. Okay, Mister Worldwide. No, it, the the box office is um, confusing. Okay, so. there we go. That's better. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So Barbie, Super Mario Bros. So Barbie and Super Mario Bros. were the were the billion billionaire club movies this yeah. year. Oppenheimer Only two. in third, knocking in on fact. the door. <laughs> yep. One hundred fifty-two million. Yeah, it's only Not like a, a bad release run. away from breaking a billion. Guardians three and fourth, Fast X in fifth. That must. Must have been China, right? Uh, probably. Uh, um, yeah, like... half billion foreign. So seventy nine point three percent foreign box office. Got to figure that's China. Well, wasn't yeah. that wasn't that whole um, John Cena apology because he had a he had to apologize to China for saying that like Taiwan was a country or something like that? Yeah, but that was like yeah. a year ago. But wasn't that for Fast and the Furious? I think that was for F nine. Yeah, yeah. Which was the one he was a villain in, but he's a good guy in this one. Yeah, but that's that's like how big it is. He made it. Yes, he, he he made he made like a hostage video apology. And man had for, to go learn Mandarin. Well, he'd been learning Mandarin for years. Yeah. I don't know. Lit- John Cena looked no, like... No, I remember the w- WWE was so tickled that he was learning Mandarin because they were trying to break into the Chinese market. They put out a big yeah. press release. They had him speak Mandarin in front of reporters and one of the most awkward things I've ever seen in my life. John Cena <laughs> looked like big meat muscle head. That no possible to be smarty pant. He, he's, big American, smart. he's the big American guy. And well, well, Jake, think about this. There's 1.3 billion people in China. Some of them are bound to be dumb. Pretty much all of them speak Chinese. So you don't have to be smart to learn Chinese. <laughs> That's one stereotype that I think nobody's going to get offended at if I say, them Chinese people, they smart. They know Mandarin. Powerful just, stuff, Jake. Just like the British said, smart. So what about no those that? Uh, what about those who speak Cantonese? I don't know what that is. So me, just dumb American. It's the other major dialect of Chinese, apart from Mandarin. Yeah. 
I gotta hear it. I gotta hear it to make my uh, my argument. <laughs> uh, across the Spider Verse coming in six with uh, six hundred ninety million dollars yeah. worldwide. So about twice what it what the first one made. Um, Little Mermaid seventh. Or yeah, it's a pretty big drop off from uh, like fourth to fifth, and then from sixth to seventh was about a hundred million as well, over a hundred million actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, pretty big flop, honestly. Uh, you know, yeah, come sure they were. How... The expectations yeah. for that movie were a lot higher. That was another um, one that was yeah, two thirds was foreign because. Tom Cruise is what most people around the world think of when they hear the words American actor. (laughs) They don't know. They couldn't name a single U.S. state, but they can name Tom Cruise. I mean, that's about as that's the same level as me. I could not name one Chinese province, but I know who Jackie Chan is. Yep. I like Donnie Yen, too. He's Chinese, right? Um, Elemental surprisingly was one of the top earners. Uh, yeah, despite bombing pretty hard domestically, and I mean, still probably not making much of a profit. Uh, yeah, but so, man, so, it cl- yeah. in a weak box office year, it clawed its way over the long haul into the mm-hmm. top 10. Interesting I, uh, stuff. And then finally, Quantum Mania in 10th, looking at Disney. They have, let's see what they got here. One, two, three. So four of the top ten. Um, and it's a yeah. two and two. So two Marvels and two uh, not Marvels. Um, I think I think The Little Mermaid is going to be the last reboot movie that's going to make it up here. Um, yeah, yeah. Up, I think Disney there. is they're entering into a... A bit a uh, a rebuilding year. Well, it depends, honestly. I mean, if if the box office in twenty twenty four is similarly weak to how it was in twenty twenty three, and that just happens to be one of the more marketed movies of the year, I could see it maybe back ending in at like nine or ten. Yeah, but um, I think the next one's supposed to be Snow White, right? And that's already mired in controversy yeah. before the release. So uh, Disney had four in twenty twenty two as well. Um, so I don't know if that plays into their numbers at all. Um, it seems like their numbers went down. Their cheapest or lowest grossing one of twenty twenty two was Thor: Love and Thunder, with uh, seven hundred sixty million. <laughs> Yes, I'd say their fortunes took a yeah, what pretty was, drastic what was that, turn. Yeah, twenty three. I have it on the screen. Uh, twenty three. Their uh, highest uh, was Guardians three with eight hundred and forty. Yeah, twenty twenty two might be a little bit of an outlier for them. They had Avatar: Way of the Water with two point three billion. Well, twenty nineteen they probably had a bigger box office for it because they just had like three billion dollar movies that yeah. year. And, like, even Doctor Strange, with as much flack that it got, was pretty close to a billion. $955 million is what uh, Multiverse made, which is actually really surprising. I did not think it got that high. So... Yeah, like, I mean, they, they were still making money at that point. People hadn't been, like, 
it's 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 hard to slow the machine and it's hard to speed it back up. And I bet you, if you were to ask the majority of people if you thought that Volume Three was better than Multiverse of Madness, that people would say Volume Three was better, um, and it made less money than Multiverse of Madness. Yep, I think uh, because that it is was pretty clear evidence of maybe superhero fatigue or just the Marvel maybe. formula, maybe not not getting it done. I think mm-hmm. it's just the movies suck. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily superhero fatigue. I'm of the belief that if you made good superhero movies again, people would want to watch them. It's just everything's so cookie. And you see that with, with, with like Spider-Man. something like Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. they take a different and creative approach to it, and everyone wants to see it. But even still, there, man, there's a weird thing. I don't know. Um, Spider-Verse, as good as it is still i feel like it should be close to that pushing a billion dollars mark but i think it's like the animated movie aspect of it there there's still a weird uh stigma in the west someone was talking about this recently um where like the the eastern um part of the world where people grew up on on anime and it's more of like an art form and it's it's much more common. Um, and the West has still some catching up to do in terms of like having anime go mainstream where I think there's still yeah. a good majority of people who think it's for like <laughs> kids and children. And like Case in point, um, I'm looking through the lower ranks here, the top 50. The Detective Conan anime movie. Detective Conan is an old anime property and it's the concept is he's a little kid who's a detective. And that made more money solely in the foreign box office, more money than the creator. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that it's ever going to be that way in the U.S. because so much of movie-going culture in this country is like built on the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, our country's tradition, Japan's tradition is in... Uh, art history and, and animation, art traditions, and you know, live action filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, you could you could argue that you know, since some animation is done with like computer generated effects, um, you know, Avatar: Way of the Water is borderline animated. Well, yeah, most of that movie was animated because it's like that's. It's just computer generated. It's animated in some. The some Lion way. King 2019 remake was animated, <laughs> and that, that an made anime? up 1.5 billion dollars. <laughs> Simba anime. Um, I think you know. Well, the- yeah, it has one of the top ten anime betrayals of all time in it. True. Um, I think as Netflix um gets a lot better with their animation stuff and. Uh, maybe some of those studios will break off into like doing their own solo projects, maybe behind a bigger studio. Um, we might get to see some, maybe some reproductions of like older shows into like an animated movie or an anime movie mm. style. Cause like, I think, I think American anime has legs. There's just not enough talent out there yet. But as we, develop it more but what about all those kids more. who grew up on draw anime in three easy steps yeah right from the uh like, what, what do we what do we mean when we say like american anime 
Um, like uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender is um a prime example where like is produced by Nickelodeon. Um, I don't know what animation studio did it. Um, but like that is a people would call it a cartoon, but I would call it like an American anime. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. cart- are, are we saying anime is an art style, or is it like it's is that like all the genre tropes we're applying to it? Because I don't No, Cause it, it's weird because there's so many different, cause like one piece is considered an anime, but for all intents and purposes, there's not, you mean the Netflix lot. one piece? <laughs> no, no, the like, what? No, not the one, not the new <laughs> one piece, the, the live action, the, um, like the original one piece, like that's, yeah. everybody would agree. That's an anime, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, but it has like the identical. It's a cartoon adaptation of a manga. Yeah, exactly. Like, to me, that's an anime. But I see. I think I get what you're saying, Jake. Is that if you look at it and you didn't, you know, on the surface, if you were first time introduced to it, and you showed that compared to like Inuyasha or like Gundam, yeah. and you're like, yeah. these are the same art. You know, these are under the same umbrella. Well, I think I think because like um, Japan started their cartoon work and their animation styles with a adult story behind it like Gundam. I mean Gundam was made in like 1970s while Disney was producing Mick Mouse. And it, it's like Mitchell, Mitchell Japan Mouse. was doing Gundam while we were doing Mickey Mouse and Tom and Jerry and shit like that where so we were more focused on kids while they were focused on a broader audience. I don't think kids were generally uh, drawn to Gundam as much as uh, they originally thought. Not uh, until later. Yeah, not until later. They eventually did market it towards it, and then yeah, I was gonna say. they have different ones that are like Gundam Build Fighters is a a it's a an anime based off of Gunpla, like actually building the model kits. That mm. is definitely more geared towards um, kids. It is not a political anime, I don't believe. Right. Um, not a lot but, of war crimes in that one. But like Iron-Blooded Orphans and Gundam Wing, like a lot of those had political drama, they had death, they had murder, it were war crimes. Like that I don't think that's your your teen your your teen violence stuff. Um yeah, whereas maybe American anime will evolve um uh into into something different. I don't know. Do you co- would you consider Fritz the Cat American anime? I don't know if Fritz the Cat is. What the fuck? Go watch Fritz the Cat. Yes. Go watch anything by Dave Bakshi. But we can we can we can move on. Sorry, that was a a, a gas. Um, yeah. I will. I'm just as we were doing this. I'm. I was looking through. I'm like, all right. Anything stand out? Any weird comparisons? You know, um, Godzilla minus one made less money worldwide than cocaine bear which <laughs> it it made it they both made their money back i guess but that's just sad to me personally I well like, godzilla minus one was put out by toho who is not an experienced distributor in the united states and cocaine bear was put out by one of the four major studios with a pretty robust marketing campaign behind it yeah um, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's made worldwide two hundred ninety million dollars, while it was for free. A day and date Peacock. release on Peacock. Yeah, I think that's just silly. That's 
I mean, that, if anything, is like how important marketing is for um, mm-hmm. for movies and how yeah. maybe like brand identity can yeah. really push a movie to, and for to how like much... get people in seats. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a huge upwelling. And it's pretty even between domestic and international. Um, and The Flash, for how much people shit on The Flash, it's one of the, it's pretty far up there in terms of uh, performance and I mean, versus something like Blue Beetle or um, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, you know? Yeah. Which are like. I mean, yeah. So like, it's, it's like, who's the skinniest kid at fat camp, right? Where you can yeah. say that the flash is a top 20 movie and you won't be wrong, but when you consider the fact that it only ironic, made $270 million. He's, the, he's almost the cutoff man for the top 20. Um, yeah. Aquaman was not. Um, Did not make it in. Dungeons and Dragons lower than I thought at 24. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, it, just an interest level. Like, I don't... Yeah. I think the general audience wasn't interested as much. They see Dungeons and Dragons and they're like... They kind of they go... What's that about? Well, I, I feel like there's there's that and then there's the other group of people that remember the last time they tried to make a Dungeons and Dragons True. movie. And... We're like, uh, that again? No thanks. And that was like maybe their only exposure to it. Yeah. Which is so interesting because I think if the general audience were to watch D- Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves, um, I think I think they would actually like it and well, wish it, to have it seen did, it in, in theaters. It reviewed well. Yeah, I know. Um and I think I think of a lot of it was uh just just that right the interest level wasn't high enough to go see it in the theater mm-hmm. and like you really have to compel people to go to the theater now because it's not there's not a whole lot of opportunity cost in waiting most yeah. most movies are available on demand within a month or two and if you're not someone who has a podcast about movies and your life doesn't revolve around movies you might not go to the movies more than once every month or two so you can just like wait for it to come to you exactly um, um there's there's not too many of the like uh children movies the big kid movies that come out um and i i mean big kid movies not although big kid movies i was um, gonna say it is notable that the frozen 2023 international sing-along re-release made 20 more million dollars than ruby gilman its oh, entirety Darn. like the very kinda... fact that the very fact that the re-release which when was frozen 2021 2020 Wait, frozen yeah like the original frozen yeah i think that was when we were in college i think it was like 2015 2014 uh, frozen was uh like last year of high school 23 oh this was the 10 year anniversary jesus all right that's that's a little more of an event i guess but um yeah, the 10-year re-release anniversary of the movie is doing better than a couple of of um, new releases in, well, ter- in the animated sphere. I was going to say, um, in terms of, like, movies that, um, you know, are around the same genre, for, like, children's movies, 
Trolls, Band Together, Paw Patrol, The Mighty Movie, Wish. These are all movies that like parents are going to take their kids to go see. Kind of made around the same amount. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty equal in, in level. Doesn't matter if you're kind of the mediocre like Paw Patrol movie or kind of the big name Trolls, like the fourth, I think probably the fourth Trolls movie. Like, God damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're in the diminishing returns phase of that franchise um yeah i i mean there were some box office surprises this year obviously just the overall performance of the box office being as down as it was year on year is kind of an alarming trend you can chalk up a lot some of that on the back half to the actor strike and the writer strike and people not being able to go out and do promotional tours but a lot of the major releases had already come out before that happened so i think there's a larger industry trend that we could be starting to see here and if i feel like if movies start to go down a certain amount it's gonna be a death spiral that they can't recover from because we already did the dry run of direct-to-consumer video releases during covid and the studios made a lot of money, and yeah, they did yeah. not have to share any of that money, or have to share they didn't a have lot to tell less of people it. about that money. They just like hey, yeah, yeah. Money. So um, I think studios are going to be pretty anxious, especially a studio like Disney that has a streaming service that's losing money and is taking it on the chin at the box office. Yeah. Might might investigate yeah, making you, that kind of move. You saw an interesting kind of trend as well of movies that were actively fighting against streaming services as well where they were specifically available in theaters and that was now a selling point or a marketing point to state that um we saw a lot of that this year um i you know i i don't know if this is i don't want not to get like super political or anything but um it, it might also be because, like, the economy is really hurting right now. I think a lot of people are feeling the pressure to where well, I think yeah. if things were to ease up a little bit on the on – the, I mean, the stock market is not a good indicator of, like, the average Joe yeah. and how they're doing, how they're feeling um, with, like, inflation where it is. I think people are cutting where they can. And if they've got Netflix at home and they'd rather wait – uh, you know, a handful of months to see Ant-Man Quantumania, I think they're going to wait to go see that. Especially when you have kids, when you have like a family of yeah. four. Going to see a yeah. movie is an event, and it is it's an expensive It's a big expense, event. yeah. I mean, you're like, talking about close to $100 when you go to take a family to the movies. Yeah, a family of four, you're easily dropping $100. You're, you're looking pretty close to 80 just on tickets, and then concessions mm-hmm. um versus what even even if you want to see it when it comes out right it's 2030 for the premiere rental and your monthly payment of 15 dollars. yeah so that's even even that together is still less than half of a conventional movie trip yeah. for the same yeah. family yeah and, and it like, only scales yeah. up from there and and to Jake's point, like, you know, the everyday, the cost of living has risen a lot recently. I just recently sat down because it's the new year. And I was getting ready to do my budget for the year. 
And like I did the math out and I'm like spending $350 a month on groceries. It's crazy. I used to be able to feed myself for like $120 a month. Yeah. Not yeah. so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really shot up there, and um, you know, I mean, Ellie's gas isn't really killing us to this point, but um, Let's you know, that could come easily, back down a bit. But, that could that yeah. could easily shoot up, you know, randomly. It probably will in the summer. Um, uh, that may raise prices on on groceries again. Shipping prices go up. You know, subscription services are only going up. Like that is an expense <coughs> that we are. We are not going to see a drop in like Netflix. Be like, ah, you know what? We've been overcharging her for a while now. We're going to drop it back to our original price or some of that. So um, I guess the only good thing for those is we're seeing more options on if you want to have ads in your content. Um, I don't love that. That sucks. And I'm already in a very and cap um, sense of mind right now after I got fucked by Stanley and Starbucks, but I've already ranted about that twice, so I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm sorry, I was not there for that. At least I didn't wait up until like, or get up at four in the morning to go sit in line at a wrong Target. (laughs) (sighs) Whatever. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's tough out there. I mean, prices are up. So people are cutting where they can, and movie theaters are not a necessity. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. easy frivolity to cut out. Yeah, and it's not like I've I feel like I remember seeing reports like sometimes during recessions, spending on entertainment will go up because it's it's like a morale type thing or some sort of socioeconomic effect. But this is different because the if the idea of going to a movie, yeah, like we just said, is now not a thing where you have to go out and you can get that same product in a new way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the follow up and the follow up year in yeah. review. Yeah. The big, big swing and follow through. Uh, let's talk quickly about some gaming news. Um, yep. What's new in the new year? Oh, okay. we got to talk about our boy, the boy. The big one. Um, what's his What's his gamer name? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even his real name. Um, I don't know who we're talking about. The guy, the kid who beat Tetris. Oh, oh, oh Blue yes. Scooty. Yeah, Blue Scooty. Cool. He reached the first true kill screen of Tetris yeah. there is a So let's let's clarify for people who might be confused at the headline as I was. Um he's the first person you, you don't really you can't beat Tetris, right? And a lot of versions of the game including most modern versions of the game don't have this overflow error that creates this final kill screen. Right. So they're not completable, but this the NES version does have this so he was able to play i think it took him a little under 30 minutes um, uh, it took very, him 38 minutes That's okay a little under 40 minutes of very precise uh play to reach this this final kill screen yeah. and becomes the first person in th- the 34 year history of this game to have recorded themselves doing that it's not impossible that it happened tasks runs have been able to annals. do it for a while, for like a year or two now. 
Um, I saw, so there was a big video about it kind of covered the whole Tetris scene up to this point and all that jazz. And so the, a little more in depth is that, um, I think like as early as like level 154, it's a, like a minefield of different conditions that will cause the game to crash because the glitch apparently is that in layman's terms, it's not reading from the code. It's reading the ROM as if it were code, and it can read uh, yeah. the ROM and input from the ROM as a stop command or a kill command, and that's what causes the kill screen. Interesting. And so, different, you know, different inputs and different conditions cause different stuff yeah. to go into the. Yeah. So it essentially, the, the system ROM. runs out of RAM. RAM. Yeah. And it it crashes essentially. Because uh, it tries to, it tries to read, write some more information to uh, memory, and then it overflows, and it causes this kill screen to happen. Yep. So uh, Blue Scooty also holds the uh, high score record on mm-hmm. the NES version of Tetris. So uh, at only 13 years old, he is undoubtedly the future of the tetris scene if the tetris scene has much of a future he is it well that was a big thing was that since they since one of the guys there's programmers who have mapped out all the kill screen conditions so those are all future targets there's the level 255 over over wrap target which gets you back to level zero from the integer overflow um and then beyond so there's there is plenty of of targets and content to be mined yet from from this game and it'll be up to it'll, it'll be up the one, to the crew now to to get them all catch them all the one fun fact i think that's been cool about this is i think before at least on camera or reliably been able to do it the only time this has happened on camera reliably has been with ai so there's like a big win for the humans too um but also there was some dumbass Australian reporter who had a snide little comment saying, hey, she was like, wow, congrats, kid. But if you were my son, I would tell you to go outside and get some fresh air. Beating Tetris isn't an accomplishment. And to that, I say shame. Fucking well, the kid's what an asshole. He's also 13 Obviously, years yeah. old. Yeah, and he's it is an accomplishment to play it at the level he's playing it yeah, at. Yeah, like, it really is. You need a lot of like mental and physical acuity to he's, perform. And this he's move. not. It's not like he's in his room just like alone in the dark by himself. Like he's going to national events, competitions. He's he's in, living he's more of a, a life than you were, yeah. <laughs> probably at his age. Also, again, he's 13 fucking years old. Let him play his video games. Let him cook. Um, yeah. Let them let the kid cook cuz he won't stack them blocks really really well. He's going to stack all those blocks. Um next up. Jack Black. Uh, he's back in black. Nice. He's he's Steven it again as he is Steve Minecraft. Jack Black oh, yeah, is right. Steve Minecraft. He's playing Steve, what? which is in the live action Minecraft movie. Boy, do am I excited for this? I man, whenever 
whenever I boot up my my mind to craft on, I always say I feel like Jack Black. Where's the photorealism in my Minecraft? You know what? You know what my favorite part of Minecraft is? The fact that I experience it in one specific rigid way every time. Yeah. <laughs> It lends itself perfectly to a movie. So they're just copying Mario Brothers, right? Take a big name, attach it to a Well, it's the, it's game. it's it's a trend like uh like the product biopic, right? So you have the uh FNAF movie, you have the mm-hmm. Minecraft movie now, the Borderlands movie's been in production for yeah. a while. Um it's just like they're they're out of original ideas they've been out of original ideas for a while and they're running out of like finally proven to be profitable yeah and they're they've run out of books to adapt so now they're turning to video games so jack black will be joined by my man jason momoa in this mine man who the fuck is he gonna play like how do you even do a minecraft movie they're gonna go fight the Ender Dragon yeah, and make I know Minecraft jokes along the way. I know there's some lore, um, kind of like the only character you encounter is either enemies or NPC villagers. Yeah, there's villagers, so you're gonna have Jason Momoa say, "Huh." <laughs> um, and I guess if you pick the female version of Steve, I guess she has a name. Maybe. Yep. I think. I think uh, it's Alex, right? Yeah, Alex. Uh, and then there's Ender Dragon, and I'm sure they're gonna give a voice to like the. Uh, they're gonna give. The... They're gonna. Jason Momoa is gonna be a creeper. Oh, we'll make him a the creeper. Ne- what are the other the Nether guys? What are the Ender are the... the Ender Dragon? No, Ender... no. What are the What are the um the long lanky looking motherfuckers that? I think they're just like Nether demons or something like that. I think it's Enderman. Enderman, Enderman, yeah. Did you say that? Like Slenderman. No, I was saying Ender Dragons, but I was kind of referring to that whole concept. Yeah, yeah. So you have the Ender aspect to it, and maybe the whole plot of it is going to be like to get to the Ender Dragon, which is just a -a collect-a-thon of gems and putting them in a square or some shit. Um, (laughs) Man, I don't know. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go creative mode on this movie. And PewDiePie is gonna have like a fucking cameo, cameo or yeah. something like that. It's gonna be cringe as shit. And Jack Black is just gonna be his voice is gonna be Jack Black. I love the guy; he's great, but he's gonna pull a crisp, crispy rat and just do that. Uh, he's. Man. We knew this since the emergence of Jablinski Games. Yeah, we true. he. He telegraphed it to us. He gave us all the signs, and we couldn't we couldn't read them. We didn't know that he was going this way. Can they? I can't wait for the Guitar Hero movie, uh, where it's just Tenacious D the movie, but they all have Guitar Hero guitars. <laughs> it's just the exact same movie. They just wrote a they just rotoscope over their uh, their guitars in all of the music scenes. With the yeah. little plastic uh, peripherals. So, um, in a mix of movie and gaming news, after nearly 100 years, 1928 Disney cartoon Steamboat Willie has entered the public domain. 
And now you're going to have ChatGPT um, put a penis on Steamboat Willie. Uh, but his, also, put a Steamboat Willie on? Predictably, the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse horror movie has already been announced. And day and date to the copyright expiration, uh, there was a game. A yes. horror-themed Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse game. Yep. And it, I ha- the reason I'm saying Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse is because it's specifically Mickey Mouse as he appears in Steamboat Willie that yep. has entered the public domain. Yeah. Yes. Crazy so. how Disney just, they they never, they didn't, they decided to make Wish for their 100th anniversary instead oh. of uh, it- anything more like that. The game looks really fucking weird. Uh, it's called Infestation Origins. It is on Steam. You can add it to your wish list. The release date is sometime in 2024. Um, I I don't think it's gonna be good. Uh, no, no, it's gonna to be, be like trash. it's gonna be like that blue and like that Muppet fucking horror Grover looking yeah. motherfucker horror game. Oh, garden? Are you talking about Garden of Ban Ban? No. Okay. It was something much dumber than that. <laughs> uh, so my my second um article that I have here, moving on from Steamboat Willie and his magical penis, um, is uh we talked about the CCP, uh, last week or the week before that, uh, where right before the holidays they were taking aim at free to play games and like their. Uh, monetization efforts and their reward system for like logging in daily and completing challenges. Um, they have dialed some of that back. They said, oops, oop, they did an oopsie daisy uh, after nearly 80, uh, what was it? nearly $80 billion in market value bled from Tencent who makes League of Legends and NetEase who makes Diablo Immortal. So, not good. They did not Is like... it fair to say that Tencent makes League of Legends or they just own Riot? <laughs> that's a um that's I mean good distinction. They they to... own Riot. Yeah, it's just the the I don't cuz I don't think Riot is listed on their Nasdaq. It's just Tencent Nasdaq. Is... Yeah. Nasdaq so... is the stock exchange, yeah. Well, I don't uh, yeah, whatever whatever they have for their version or stock index. Uh, the yeah. Nikkei index is what it is in Japan. I don't know what it is in China. Mm. Yeah, not sure, but uh, they lost a ton of money from it um, from Tencent, um, who owns League of Legends, I should say, and NetEase who owns Diablo Immortal. Um, yeah, so they're going to roll that back real quick. Uh, the report goes on to state that the shares in Tencent proceeded to climb 5% after 12% dip, while NetEase shares rose 10% after the 25% fall after morning trades on Wednesday. There are also reports that NetEase is in talks with Blizzard again. Uh, that's after a spat saw the company dramatically smashing up a statue of Gore Howell early in 2023. Huh. Well, there you have it. I guess it. they were on the outs. Yeah, they, they might be. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some... I mean, Blizzard is always a very public-facing company, so if anything goes awry with china and how they treat taiwan i feel like the fans are going to pressure blizzard to speak out against that and that puts them in a sticky situation uh no they're owned by microsoft now microsoft doesn't have to have accountability to anyone exactly (laughs) all right lastly in sad news uh poor one out tabletop and collectible 
people everywhere. Uh, Warhammer co-creator Brian Ansel has passed away. No, not Brian. Um, I, I only laugh because I just I don't I have no knowledge of the Warhammer scene. So have you seen you this guy? Immediate. No, man had I, like, some I, impressive mullet. Like, I do not one, know of his presence. One look at him, and you're going to be wishing you had seen him. He is he is the physical embodiment of something. Uh, what that thing is, I do not know. Oh yeah, Randy Warhammer. Mighty yeah, um, Dark Wind, Dark Winged Avenging Lord of Chaos, Brian Hansel with his mighty Avenging Chaos Army. Well, miniature, miniature in the front, party in the back. Well, he's gonna be uh, oh. painting up those minis in uh, in the old nerd yeah, haven in the sky. Uh, his yeah, death was announced by his in Warhammer, wife they Diane. The warp when they die, their souls. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I've never played Warhammer. I just know that it's it's big and uh, you know a lot of stuff has kind of trickled down from Warhammer. Yeah. So he's kind of like an architect of a lot of miniature based tabletop gaming. Um, and. Uh, Passed away at home with his family on December 30th. He was 68 years old, so pretty young, all things considered. Yeah, kind of young, yeah. That's, huh. Life is short. Dang. Life is precious. Yep. So uh, enjoy the time you have on the surf while you have it. Big all right, let's Brian. All right, yep. move into our feature presentation, which... Uh, you know, we, we discussed doing a review of a movie that, you know, is, is influential or classic, uh, but we wouldn't normally have, like, cause to review on the show. Uh, but I decided that that was boring and that we should do something more interesting for our 400th episode. So what that was is we all went through and we, we did some thinking, uh, did some noodling, many... Uh, a wayward stare in the shower and on the toilet and came up with our top five movies that made us. So these are movies that, you know, not necessarily all from our childhood, but movies that have had outsized impacts on shaping our tastes in, in film in general, and maybe even some other aspects of life in some instances. So um, it's not our favorite movies. In fact, uh, on my list here, I have a movie that I really fucking hate. <laughs> um, it's not our like the best movies, and it's not the worst movies. It's just movies that had a lot of influence on us as uh, film critics and moviegoers in general. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to just freeform it or just tackle one whole list at a time. Yeah, or... I... I don't know. Like I, I wrote my picks and I had some blurbs, but I don't know if I want to read the whole blurbs. Um, I'll, I'll start. Well, the first yeah. one I had written down was Men in Black, uh, released in 1997. Uh, for a while, uh, liking this movie was my personality. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I would often wear a black suit with a black tie and sunglasses. Um, it was just a movie that really captured my imagination. I think. Um, as I've grown, the movie has grown with me because it's a very layered movie. You can 
I you can take it at like face value as kind of like you know a pretty generic sci-fi action blockbuster comedy sort of deal. Um, but there's there's deeper and more nuanced storytelling in there, and it touches on uh, you know themes of tolerance and um, you know the sacrifices you make in government service and you know kind of the angst that's created by knowing something that you cannot share with the world um being the kind of gatekeeper of that knowledge it has that kind of classic comedy premise that's that was so strong with something like ghostbusters right it's the same kind of vibe where it's look at this fantastical uh we take this fantastical concept and filter it through the lens of everyday american life yeah, it's like the bureaucracy. It's 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 the Ellis Island for the galaxy. You know, yeah. it's it's that sort of thing. And you know, it, Tommy Lee Jones is at he gives honestly one of the finest performances of his career in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Not a guy known for doing a lot of comedy, but he I'm played... sure he'd grunt angrily at you if you told him that. <laughs> well, but I mean, if you look at his filmography, yeah. I'm I'm just reading off his filmography here. He's, it doesn't have a, a ton of comedy credits. He has a few. Um, but, uh, yeah, he really worked. I, I would hesitate to call his character the straight man, but he's the more experienced guy that he plays, that plays well off of Will Smith's more brashness. They had really good chemistry together. It's just very obvious that the movie was made by people who cared about it and had passion for the project. And it's, it's a movie that, you know, really, uh, taught me a lot about movies, even if I didn't realize I was being taught about it. Yeah. I, um, I, I'll just jump, I'll leapfrog off you here for a similar kind of movie in terms of how it was in my life. And that was Spaceballs, the Mel Gibson (laughs) classic. That was the one we, that was the one I latched onto. Um, Of of course, I saw Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, But it was, it was Spaceballs uh, that I quoted incessantly all throughout middle and a little bit of high school, probably more, a lot of high school. Let's be honest here. <laughs> um, I could quote, I could probably still quote so much of that movie uh, just because every line just like was a banger in my head. Like those, those are all iconic and I can't, I think, I don't know if I can <laughs> laugh as hard as I can, as I did as a kid at those anymore, just because like they're just so ingrained now. Um, yeah. but that was like, that was so much different from, so a lot of the humor I had seen up to that point, like it was just this, I probably would have had a similar thing if I saw airplane first, but that really kind of like mile a minute gags packed into every nook and cranny kind of movie, um, was a, a like watershed moment of like, <laughs> Oh, this is all the ways you can do comedy and you can make something that absolutely just hits your funny bone every every minute. And it just just, just perfect. It hits the vibe just right. Um that's why Mel Brooks is a treasure. And that was that was like one of my core comedy vibes. Yeah. That's definitely uh yeah, the, that makes sense. The other of um, co- yeah. Oh, I was just saying, um, I don't know, it seems like we're going like one by one. Yeah, um, let's do it like that. 
So I was going to pick in between these three that I didn't know which one to go first because I kind of didn't mind in like chronological order. I don't know which one I technically saw first, though. But I'm going to go with the same vibes that we're all given. Iron Giant. Um, I think seeing this as a kid kind of like broke the mold in terms of like animated movies away from like the Disney um, kind of uh, like powerhouse that existed. Um, and Warner Brothers uh, made this movie, and it was a a tearjerker, a a sci-fi tearjerker with comedy and a overall good story. Yeah, it's um, it's a love letter to yeah. uh, like the 1950s era of sci-fi. Yeah. So, um, and watching this as a kid, I'm I was enamored with it, and then watching it as an adult, um, I can appreciate a lot of what it has to say in terms of like messaging um and i think it's it's one of those movies that just an animated movie that holds up today is really rare uh and i think it, it kind of molded what i expect out of um animation what i expect out of um stories bradbury is just so good at getting to the heart of the human condition yeah 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 because I, I was really trying to find a movie that like <clears throat> hit like not only chronological order but also like what did I feel watching these movies? Did I, and which one did I feel like, which one made me like choke back a tear? And it was either this or Marley and me that I could like really pinpoint off the top of my head. And I was like, all right, this one, I think definitely, I appreciate a little bit more than just a, a sappy dog movie. Yeah. There are a lot of those I could pick from, but I've watched a lot more of them recently. Like if you want a movie that will just, tear you apart emotionally uh life is beautiful is one of yep. the most like gut-wrenching films i've ever seen <laughs> i yeah. ugly Ooh. cried at the end of that movie <laughs> oh all right i might have to change I, I might have to change one of mine no no i won't i was gonna there say a were... shout out to grave of the fireflies for also being one of the saddest movies i've ever seen that one, that one hurts like a punch to the dick. Um, but I think yeah, I don't know. I, right, yeah, back around. Yeah, I guess. Um, huh, which one do I? I'm, I'm trying to think of an order to to do this in. Um, I guess we'll just stick to the numeric order. I have them on my page here. Um, next up for me is a movie I I saw as a, a much older man than uh, a lot of the other movies that are going to be on these lists. Um, and that movie is Fateful Findings, released in 2013. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think about those movies. But that I mean, feels right. I, 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 so I had one in the same vein, but that's, that does, that's strong. That's very strong. Yeah, oh. so prior to being duped into watching this, uh, the extent of my bad movie credentials was I had seen The Room. And I thought that gave me some street credit. Um, little did I know that there was a much deeper realm of shit beyond Tommy Wiseau. And I was, uh, I was not emotionally or, or mentally prepared for, for what I would watch here. Did we find this movie together? Did I show it to you? You brought it you to us. You showed it to us. I brought this. Okay, so because yes. I had shown this to my to my friend Brian before and we had and it was quick like I think we watched this died. in 2014 
Yeah. So yeah. like it had not been out long. <laughs> yeah, faithful findings. Fuck, that's a. Me yeah, I I had I'd seen movies and not really enjoyed them earlier in my life. Like as a as a kid, kid, you know, like the Jack Black movie Envy and Click or two that kind of spring to mind. But like, never had I seen something just so rage inducingly bad before, including like the stuff I've made. I've never a Faithful Finding is arguably the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't know that's number one now. I think I could make a stronger argument for Rat Think of Boo Boo. Yeah. But I would have never even thought of seeking out something like Rat Think of Boo Boo if not for the gateway to the hell dimension that this movie opened in my psyche. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a. Like calling it a movie feels like an insult to the entire medium. Uh, it's incompetent on a technical level, nonsensical on a story level, and bankrupt on an artistic level. It just... I think it might be best described as a harrowing cinematic experience. Um, it's an I, endurance test. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, in the realm of, I was similarly struck in that way, taking it above the realm of bad movies I had seen. But I had seen many a bad movie um, willingly. And still do now. I, I keep it in my heart because of um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. That was a huge part of my childhood growing up was the, the movie? tapes rented from the video store, brought okay. home, and watched on TV. And the one that I watched the most, because it was one of the ones we got that we bought when the Hollywood video went out of sale, was 1975's Mitchell starring Joe Don Baker <laughs> as a schlubby stupid cop. Um it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but <laughs> it was really funny with um Joel Hodgson and the uh the MST3K crew uh riffing on it the entire time. And it was also special cuz that was that happened to be the end of the Joel Hodson era and the beginning of the Mike uh, era. Who's What's his last Mike name? Mike Nelson. Yeah, the Mike Nelson era. That was the changeover episode. Um, so that was like, for whatever story that that framing device show had. It's historic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a great movie and a good like piece of that um, media to, uh, to have. Um, and that was a big thing that sparked my love for, for like riffing on bad movies. I was like, this is a thing you can do, like watch bad movies and like make jokes about them intentionally. Mm -hmm. I, it did not hurt at all that I did not get any of the pop culture references. I think that was part (laughs) of the charm for me at the time was that they're making, they're just, it's like Gex. It's like listening to Gex and he's just rattling (laughs) off like weird celebrity names that you've never heard of. And I'm like, sure, this is comedy. (laughs) <laughs> and it had the cadence bubble. of a joke yeah and that was enough for me that was enough for me in, in, in many contexts it still is <laughs> um, so this one this was a very this was core memory core uh, movie desires uh, out here and I still this is why to this day I still recommend old crappy movies <laughs> When we when we're looking for something bad to watch, and it gets us into 
a lot of trouble. So much trouble. <laughs> I'm glad this is because this kind of definitely fits in this bad movie vein. So I'm glad this comes up. Uh, a bad movie that made a uh, it, it carved out a special hole in my heart, a deep neurotic necrotic hole in my heart <laughs> for bad sci-fi movies. Starring Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman, Oliver Platt, Brendan Gleeson, Betty White. Fucking stacked ass cast for this I'm, shitty movie. I'm trying to that, think. What what do we guess, Kurt? I got... Uh, this has got to be some like sci-fi original movie bullshit. It's not... I don't think it's sci-fi original, um, but it is Lake Placid, which... Okay. Betty White was in Lake Placid. She, I remember her specifically. I don't remember the other people, but I remember her specifically because she was the old lady who had a cabin on the lake who would feed cows to the alligator, and it, he's the she's the reason he got so fucking enormous. Um, and she like wanted to protect this, and I think she died at the very end or something like that. Um, yeah, it's a nutty movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh it is uh, being really from a big. region of New York that isn't too far from Lake Placid. Like I, I was always to. confused by this movie. movie. I might have to. You know, it's got a 5.8 out of 10, which is like higher than I expected. Um it, it's it's so it's so simple just stopping a giant croc in a lake that is not supposed to be there. It's it's like it fits all the it set the horror trope of like, there's maybe it didn't set it, but it concreted in my the mind. terror from the deep genre. <laughs> yeah, it, it at least concreted in my mind what a like this genre, um, and you know there's so many bad shitty sci-fi original movies out there that I watch because of this. Uh, that I just I, it, it warms my heart to see some of these stills again. Uh, and see this giant CG croc jump out of the water <laughs> uh, as they as they tempt it with a cow on like a crane. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, um, actually, you know that that's a pretty good segue. Um, you know, talking about like horror stuff. Uh, number three on my list is Army of Darkness, released nineteen ninety two. Um, I don't like horror movies. I've got a very active imagination, and I hate myself. So given the appropriate fuel, my mind will torn up myself. Um, so I just tend to avoid the whole thing. Um, so with this in mind, I was very uncomfortable on a fateful 2009 summer night when my friend Wes popped his DVD copy of Army of Darkness into the Xbox 360 that served as the DVD player in his downstairs area. Um, yep. But... Much to my surprise, what I saw completely changed my perception of this genre. Um, sometimes you can have a horror movie that's goofy and full of slapstick humor and has a likable protagonist who, you know, does not get killed, but in fact kills the bad guy yeah. and, yeah. And, and bumbles his way through Mr. Magoo style. Um, it just, it was a completely different kind of movie and it really, uh, in some ways so like if fateful findings like burst open the door into like the realm of shit this movie kind of cracked the door for b movies for me like i i don't know if you would really call all of darkness a b movie but it's got that b movie feel 
largely because Bruce Campbell's the star. But, um, you know, I, I saw this before I was really exposed to Mystery Science Theater 3000. And like, so, so this for me kind of opened that door uh, in my eyes to, you know, kind of lower budget B movie. And, you know, sometimes these low budget B horror movies are just a goofy time. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a cult classic for a reason. Um, they because they Sam Raimi and the Raimis and Bruce Campbell just really hit on something that even to this day has not been easily replicated. No, even by themselves. <laughs> yeah, they 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 struck lightning in a bottle, and it's like, will you ever get that back? Same kind of thing with like, well, I was gonna say same thing with Monty Python, but Monty Python had a lot of output. Um, that was another contender was at Monty Python: The Holy Grail. That was oh yeah, oof that 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 that's I didn't even think about. I think that, that was one, my that's, first. That's uh, a hard I, cut. But yeah. I I think the, I have a movie on here that kind of like represents that same sort of thing to me and is far more influential in yeah, my life. That was the, I think that was the first time I'd ever seen dry humor. <laughs> like as a concept, I was like the jokes. There's no one laughing after, <laughs> and no one gets hit in the face with a frying pan. What the fuck? Um, but still subtlety. Yeah. Now this one, this next one. Uh, has no subtlety. In fact, it's the opposite of subtle, and it's 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 amazing for that. And that is Pacific Rim. <laughs> now, not just any version of specific of Pacific Rim, but a specific, but a Pacific version of Pacific Rim. Pacific version of Pacific Rim. <laughs> um, because it was the most spectacular, and I use the word spectacular exactly here version of a movie i had ever seen which was the 3d imax showing of pacific rim (laughs) in which the giant robots were much closer to -to (laughs) one-to-one scale than i think you could ever get anywhere else um just that that movie was such a a masterful use of just big and i was like this is awesome. And this was one of my first like stereoscopic 3d experiences and seeing the giant robots in that was like, wow, 3d has like, there's it, it spoiled 3d for me immediately. Cause it's I, not knew, just I knew what it could go. I knew where it could go. It wasn't just spy kids 3d anymore. <laughs> um, and it made me go whenever I saw another whenever on occasion, when I saw a 3d movie, other than like avatar, avatar was the first one I saw. This one was like probably the second one I saw, but 3d movies I saw after just didn't compare until spider verse. And I learned, I learned from Pacific Rim that like, it's a very, it's a very select movie that can use something like that. And when applied there, it can elevate the movie even more. Like there is, a use for these kinds of things. And that's, you know, that's, I have that now is like, I wish Spider-Verse part two had 3d and I wish, you know, I wish VR was more affordable so I could have that experience again. Well, I think the new, uh, quest is pretty reasonably priced. 
My brother actually got a VR set for Christmas, so I'm waiting for him to have some hands-on experience with it before. Yeah, I think I saw... It's probably not on sale anymore, but I think during the winter sale, the Valve Index was actually on sale for a reasonable Mm -hmm. price, too. Yeah. Um, Keeping in the same vein of, like, giant monsters and giant robots, the (laughs) only monster part is the dinosaurs in this movie... Jurassic Park, not dinosaur. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was thinking about dinosaur, and I'm like, well, I just like watching with my mommy. Um, Jurassic Park, I think, is a better pick. That like, I think shaped my idea of like uh, effects in movies. Uh, you know, it may not have the best story. Um, I think it's good at world building, though, um, and it definitely made a solid world to build upon for apparently six movies. And like <laughs> games, a spinoff game. I don't know how uh, how solid <laughs> the other movies were, but yeah, I mean they just kept doing it. So yeah. it was... I guess there's a lot of dinosaurs out there. So sure, why not? And Spielberg then he, hurled they, a Zeusian you know bolt of lightning into the when, theatrical audience. And when you run out of dinosaurs, you just make your own. Brought to you by Verizon. So that's the best message I I can pull from Jurassic Park. But no, Jurassic Park has fantastic effects. Fantastic practical effects. Um, Had really interesting filmmaking for the time. Uh, I think it's just very well done. Um, And it holds, it's again, it's another older movie that holds up today that you can sit down and watch at any point. Um, A lot of these movies I feel like are, now, now that I'm getting to this part, my final three, um, they're definitely movies you can sit down at any point and just continue watching. You don't, you can like pick up from the story as you go, but um, you're just gonna have fun with the movie and be entertained really well by them. And I think Jurassic Park really does that. Yeah, with uh, the exception of Fateful Findings, I would watch any movie on on my list at any time. Yeah. Um. That that's what I like. Kind of uh, deem as like the baseline. Like I gotta be able to, to watch one of these movies, like a, a really solid movie that I think has made left an impression on me. I gotta be able to sit down at any point, like pop it on on like FX or whatever. Um, you know, maybe I'm halfway in and just continue watching and then be entertained by the the whole movie. Um, and Jurassic Park really did it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that also led into fascination with other dinosaur movies and. Like you ever find it weird how I don't know if this is true for you guys, but I always sometimes find that the movies I remember the f- most fondly are ones that I don't actually watch that often anymore, and I I have to like go and like, hey, you like this movie? Go watch it again. Um, I to, like sometimes I, to, like, I bring I, that I, back. I, I tend to watch like my inner circle favorites uh, fairly frequently, um, but there are a lot of movies that I like. Like you guys had some stuff that was like you know, could have been on the list. It was tough to get down to five. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like three of the five I have on here really had to be on here, and that didn't leave a whole lot of room. So there were some tough cuts, like Terminator 2 couldn't make its way in there. Um, yep. Like, it's it's just, <laughs> it was difficult. Honorable shout-out to Black Dynamite. Another yeah, great. that's that's another great one. I had a few, like, my, my last movie kind of cycled a few times before I landed on it, but... Um, I I butchered my opportunity, but Jake kind of set me up again with a good transition to another effects-laden movie that, I don't know, probably 
as not just on my list, but uh, Star Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that kind of goes without saying. Um, really, the whole original trilogy, especially considering the fact that, at least when I was a kid, uh, The New Hope was my least favorite movie in the trilogy. Uh, don't worry, Empire was my favorite, so it's not like I had terrible tastes. Um, but, like, for a large portion of my life, Star Wars was my special interest. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it, it shaped so much of my, my life from like the moment my father brought home the 1997 re-releases on VHS and made us kids sit down and watch it. Um, it really captured my imagination in a way that few things had. I didn't, quite at that age understand exactly the grandeur of what I was watching uh, but you know as I I grew and learned more about filmmaking and storytelling I could appreciate it for the technical masterpiece that it was um, it sparked my interest in space which led to a very real desire to work for NASA and very real steps taken to achieve that dream like going to space camp and that sort of thing um, you know I, no I decided that, that club. yeah it, it wasn't stuff that you know I, NASA didn't stick but engineering sure did and one of the things that I credit for my interest in engineering well two two major things the atomic purple Game Boy Color and <laughs> uh, like the uh, designs <laughs> designs like ship design books of Star Wars ships yes. where, like, oh, the, yeah, big, I, the big cut through slice books yes Yes, where I would like try to like pretend like there was a prayer I could reverse engineer this starship. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, this all absolutely makes sense, and you could spend hours just pouring over those pages. Yeah, yeah, and like the the innovative and kind of guerrilla ways that they uh, manage some of the effects and the the groundbreaking effects in this movie really inspired me when I got into filmmaking. Uh, just like it really. As corny as it sounds, in nearly every aspect of my life, if you look deep enough, you will see some influence from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad you said Star Wars, because um, I will say uh, I have one on my list. Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens, <laughs> uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, is it a great movie? No, it's good. It's a pretty good movie. Um, got an hour and a half debut episode where I uh, argue the contrary. It's, not, it's, it's an okay movie. But like you said, this was there was a day in 2015 when young younger Kurt and younger Peter sat down in Kurt's dorm, hooked up a one mic, and uh, wanted to talk for an hour and a half about. I a guess movie. from from that perspective, that is that should be on and all that's of been our, the our last, uh, yeah, that's decade been the last of our life. <laughs> yeah, that's it's been a driving force for a lot of the movies I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, and in the greater culture, it marked a it was one of the big markers of the the Marvel slash soft reboot era of blockbuster films, which were kind of on the closing parentheses of we're moving into something else i i can't help but feel at this point in time 
but that was a whole that was a whole cinematic like little era, little mini era, and we were there for that whole thing. And that was the movie that's that we had to sit down and say, "We're gonna start something. We're gonna start it here." Yeah. And you know, it's 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 interesting for that reason because the the reason I felt because like the the Force Awakens just I. I really disliked that movie on a lot of levels and um, it was like receiving a lot of acclaim at the time of its release. And I felt like I was taking crazy pills to the point where I was like, okay, we need to sit down. We need to start a podcast. So we have a sustainable format for post-graduation and we need to talk about this movie. And (laughs) Peter was largely a bystander in that first episode. Yes. I was my Uh, first uh experience with recording myself for for media i was like i don't know about this yeah and i i I basically did the lion's share of (laughs) the show just airing all my grievances with the force (laughs) awakens (laughs) but um yeah i i part of me wishes i had star wars on here i didn't put any star wars on here oh Um, surprise i'm the only guy who put that on there yeah well i mean peter had the uh yeah, Star Wars. I watched I watched OG Star Wars at a much later date in my life. I did too, and I think that's why I didn't put it on here. Is I, I, I mean, I do have good fond memories of uh, watching like Phantom Menace with my dad, like in the theaters and going to see that on release. Um, but I don't think I like realized until a little bit later how like impactful Star Wars was on me. Um, so it took took a took a beat. Um, instead. I'm going to take a diversion uh, to talk about like what movie kind of first made me really um, kind of uh, appreciate like a director's touch on a movie um, and how, how like noticeable it can be. And this guy's not exactly subtle, but Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill 1 and 2. Um, I really enjoy those movies. Um, I don't know if those are like technically the best movies. I think they're a little choppy and not for everybody. It's funny because like um, I watched Inglorious, not to cut you off. I watched Inglorious yeah. Bastards because it's on my top 100 movies list with my girlfriend, who's a bigger Tarantino fan than I am, and um, she's like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "It's overrated." Like I feel most of his movies are. But it wasn't the worst Tarantino movie. And she asked me, all right, well, what's the worst one? I'm like, Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> I mean, this is very boring. <laughs> and it's, I mean, gotta... it's like such tonal whiplash, too, going from the first one to the second one. Because the first one was just crazy yeah. fucking action all over the place. And the second one, like, yeah. grinds to a fucking halt. <laughs> yeah. And I guess. I, if you got the time, sit down and watch both together so you get the full picture. But because um, I feel like you would be left a little um, um, hungry uh, after the if you just watch the first one for like a conclusion for the movie. Um, very, I I love the movie. I have a lot of fun watching it. Um, maybe when I remember bits and pieces of it, I'm more remembering Volume One, and I think that's where a lot of the uh, spoofs and and fun that people take and parody uh get their stuff from um from volume one you know it's like the montage not really montage but that like meet these band of characters as she goes through and fights them 
um, kind of like mm-hmm. little bosses that she has to fight before she finds Bill. Um, and you actually find out what Kill Bill means. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Um, but you also get to see the nuances that Tarantino puts into his movies. Um, and you know, some of them are a little egregious. Some of them are a little over the top. And I get that. And I'm not saying, <clears throat> you know, he's my favorite. But they're definitely ones where you can like you can pick apart certain things and appreciate that he puts his own touch on them. Oh, he's he's a very talented for... director. I would yeah. I would never argue that he doesn't have yeah. a talent or eye for direction. I don't think he's a particularly good writer, and he insists on writing all his movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably where it most of his movies fall short. Um, like I'm thinking of like Hateful Eight. Um, Django's a really good movie, but like Hateful Eight, I feel like tried to copy that and like it's it's just missed missed a beat or two uh that i think Django hit a lot better um anyways this isn't a breakdown of tarantino it's more like okay we know what tarantino's got to offer what are the michael bayisms what are the um the the um some other big uh directors david lynch uh, specific uh natures and some of them are hard to tell some of them are christopher nolan yeah uh, nolan's a good one. david fincher Uh, i'm trying to think think of uh who did um the more obvious one is uh oh shit um sam sam raimi spider-man and uh yeah 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 Yeah, i had the first name uh but yeah like the the eponymous raimi cam that's when you know you're watching a raimi movie so there's little nuances that are nice to pick up on from different directors. And it's always like a, a fun, a fun note to like go into a random movie, not knowing who directed it and be like, wait, did, did Raimi direct it? Oh shit. He did. You know, I thought that was like his thing that he usually does or like a, a lens flare that blinds you. And it's like, Oh fucking Michael Bay. God damn it. JJ. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would be a story that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so that's that's my director. Yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting uh, bend to take on that. Uh, My last movie here, nineteen ninety seven is kind of like a big year for me, I guess. Um, (laughs) The the last movie I have on my list is Austin Powers: International Man of Mystery. Nineteen ninety seven. I I was gonna sit as a shout out, but I'm like, no, Kurt's gonna cover that. That's like a part of his soul. Yes, (laughs) to Peter's exact point. I have seen the first two Austin Power movies uh, several hundred times, probably a piece, but certainly combined. Um, I can recite most of the film from memory, approximately 43% of any conversation I have with my childhood friend Nick is just Austin Powers quotes, and I'd say probably a good 5% of my regular speech is also Austin Powers quotes. Uh, no movie had a greater in influence on my understanding of comedy theory, and apart from Seinfeld, no other piece of media has either. Um, I feel like I owe a lot in my life to my sense of humor, and like I learned a lot of what I know about comedic timing, and like taking a premise, running into the ground till it's not funny anymore, and then continuing to run it into the ground, and that's even funnier than the first time. Like all those kinds of tricks like that, I learned from from Austin Powers and you know the writing, 
style of it. Um, it really kind of was a major influence on my own comedic writing style. And um, like if 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 you've seen Austin Powers and you've spent an extended period of time with me, I think you can see uh, the influence quite clearly. Um, yeah, even more evident with Seinfeld. Uh, if you spend any time with me, there will probably be some Seinfeldian humor espoused. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a huge part of me. It, my love of comedy and a huge movie in my life and like a foundational building block of a surprising number of relationships in my life as well. <laughs> it's just that good. It was a cult. It was a force to be reckoned with and is still a, a huge touchstone for, for comedy. Yeah. Um, just really top of its craft kind of a thing. Um, mine is no, my, this isn't, it's not as climactic. Um, I did not rank mine in, in any particular order of like most critical to me. If I had to, it probably would actually be Mitchell. <laughs> um, but, um, no, this one is uh, Castle in the Sky, because um, I had to throw in something about anime in here, and I think that was the one where I can kind of mostly trace it back to, because I did watch Spirited Away before I watched Castle in the Sky, but that was that was the layman's, that was the dumb American's introduction to anime, but that wasn't Dragon Ball Z. There was like, if you if you... If you've never seen say, anime hey. before, <laughs> it was it was Dragon Ball Z, Yu-Gi-Oh, Sailor Moon, and then like on the screen though for movies. I feel like Pokemon was, was a gateway drug for a lot of people. Yes, and Pokemon yeah. did have a movie, but um, there was something. There's obviously something different about. Yeah, Spirited, Spirited Away. Away obviously has a lot of influence in the but West and all that. Yeah. It wasn't until like Castle in the Sky where I was like, "This is something I want to keep watching and pursue specifically as its own thing," because um, it wasn't like cartoons that I'd seen. You know, the cartoons that get shown and popularly kind of spread around in America are all very, you know, they were especially at that time were like all lighthearted slapstick stuff for just, just like really exclusively for kids and young teens. Um, that was all about, you know, comedy or action or stuff like that. And this was a, a step a little further beyond a little broadening of the horizon. And that was the, that was the push I needed to start my, my love of animu of anime that yeah. I still have today. So yeah, I wish I could I wish I could add a uh, an anime on my list, but I don't really have a movie that stands out to me, but I, I feel like I want to go watch um Castle in the Sky now. If you were saying this is the one that yeah. you that shaped you a little bit cuz I I've seen a handful of them, uh but none of them are really like wowing me. I think it's already it's I've seen them already liking anime. Um, mm. none of them have like made me like it, but in that, in that vein, shout out, um, special mention to, uh, probably attack on Titan is like the show that did it for me that like made me, I think, uh, appreciate anime a lot more, um, as like a story, um, mm-hmm. medium and not necessarily just a 
action tournament arc like we have so many different shonen <laughs> um nothing wrong with those nothing wrong with those right. but usually the story gets left behind for um That's... the action and some dope ass combat scenes again nothing wrong with that i love my tournament arc just like the next guy <laughs> it's the media think... equivalent of cheesy disco fries yeah. very tasty <laughs> but i would not yes. substitute a meal for that uh, yeah, but when you get when you get like Attack on Titan and your expectation expectations are subverted with like um, a intense story that is also kind of rooted in history, um, like we'll get a, I'll maybe do that after we stop recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout outs to uh, German Madagascar, but um, the that was probably the one that like all right, I want to explore more uh, more animes that maybe. Um, have a better story but my actual one uh which i'm not really going to talk too much about is uh shawshank redemption i just think this is a fantastic movie uh made me really appreciate the acting that's involved in it um uh, tim robbins and morgan freeman are amazing and they they touch on a lot of like really sensitive topics uh, when it comes to prisoners um and what they go through and uh the corruption that can be at some prisons and what people will do to get out of prison um and it's fantastic it's a well-written story it's like one of the few narrated movies that are fun to watch shout out morgan freeman for narrating a fantastic movie um it's got some amazing writing um like the amount of times i will quote andy dufresne crawled through Mm -hmm. a mile of shit and piss (laughs) but came out clean on the other side was um yeah i just you're telling me something behind Miss Fuzzy Britches? <laughs> Just this, come on, this is amazing stuff in there. It's great, like, like crystallized movie magic. When we talk, like when you think about capital M movies, right? As was uh, like it was yeah. a whole thing in the '90s. Like the idea of you know the '90s had a lot of like blocks, right? Of like this is a thing, this is a thing, and movies was one of those things, and those kind of moments were what really made it for for pop culture and made it such a uh, renewed it as a force in that time period. <laughs> All right, well there you have it. That's our uh, top five movies that made us um, for episode four hundred. So, so we're gonna yeah. continue making more podcast now that we are. Into 90s month. Yeah. Uh, quite a few appearances from 90s movies scattered across these lists. Okay, maybe it was mostly mine, but... Um... No, I had I, mm-hmm. I checked. Uh, Shawshank is 94, Jurassic Park, 93. Lake Placid, I think, is 99. Oh. Iron Giant is 99. Okay, you Bill actually... The only you, you, you win with the most 90s yeah. movies. You even... No, I didn't. I did not watch a lot of 90s movies managed uh, to yeah. edge so. myself out there yes but uh, at long last we're getting into 90s month uh uh to round out january here so um got that to look forward to for the next few weeks and until then be well stay safe and party like it's 1995 peace bye-bye